0: Chapter 9. Is that all you're taking? I looked at the grocery bag in Cletus's left hand and the famous suitcase in his right. Wow, I would have packed my Cadillac, but I couldn't fit it in the bag, he said. You two stop that drawing and get in the car. Obe said cheerfully as he slammed the trunk. We've got us an appointment in the next world. Obe and I climbed in the front seat of the Valiant. I wasn't about to let Cletus take my front seat, and Cletus settled himself into the back, where right off he started unloading some magazines from his suitcase. I turned around to glance over the tiles and gave him a weird enough look that he had to say something. This old fellow up in Greasy's Hollow, he gave me these. They've been sitting in his outhouse for a good ten years or more. Just as I was about to puke, Obe spoke up. Best reading I've ever done was in my daddy's old Johnny house and i don't mean dirty stuff neither he kept him some books on auto mechanics fishing civil war you name it i used to love to get the diarrhea and with that our trip to putnam county was launched you would have thought with two big talkers like cletus and obe in the car we'd have been a noisy bunch all the way down the road but as soon as we got out of deep water and onto the main highways A quiet spell settled over the three of us, and the only sound was the rattle of something loose in Obe's radio. There was a feeling in the car, and it was almost sadness, but it wasn't. It was sweeter than sadness. I knew Obe's silence was connected to May. Probably he was praying to her all the way to Putnam County, praying to her to come back to him and tell him what to do now without her. For all his pep, I knew Obe was scared. And Cletus, well, a couple of times I looked back and saw him staring up at the tops of the mountains, staring like he was looking at angels flying up there, and his face was so clear and open that he seemed like a tiny child to me. What was it he was thinking, looking up like that? My own quietness, I think, came from peace. Nothing needed doing in the car. Ope was beside me and safe, Cletus behind us content. I knew that for a good three hours we were going to be like this. No surprises. Nothing gone wrong. I could look out at the mountains and the tiny little houses people had squeezed onto them. I could see the muddy old toys in the yards and the melting away snowmen. The smoke from chimneys keeping people warm and happy. Dogs chained to their houses asleep in soggy yards. I didn't need to take care of anything or anybody and the silence was as blessed to me as the deepest kind of sleep could have been. When the signs on the turnpike started telling us we were coming to Charleston, Cletus became so fidgety that at first I thought we'd better find a filling station and fast. But when he started talking about the Capitol, I knew it was only nerves. I have never seen it, he told Obe. Only a black and white picture in our West Virginia history book. Even that knocked my socks off. I just think about all those important people making laws under that gold dome. It must be to West Virginia what the Parthenon was to the Greeks. Cletus shook his head and stared out the window toward the DuPont plant we were passing. It's got to be the greatest thing, he said, to work in the West Virginia capital every day. And for a second, right then, I had the strong image of Cletus someday Doing that very thing, of his being Fayette County's elected representative to the legislature and driving over to Charleston to put his head together with other important heads and enact profound laws. Then I remembered that he liked to eat Vienna sausages from the can and watch reruns of Laughing, and came to my senses. The green and white road signs kept teasing us along with mentions of Capitol Street, so many miles ahead and we strained our eyes for a glimpse of the gold-leaf dome, like Columbus looking for a continent. Then, there it was. And I know it was better than all three of us figured it would be. The Capitol building sprawled gray concrete like a regal queen, spreading out her petticoats, and its giant dome glittered pure gold in the morning sun. I felt in me an embarrassing sense of pride, that she was ours, that we weren't just shut down old coal mines and people on welfare like the rest of the country wanted to believe we were. We were this majestic, elegant thing sitting solid, sparkling in the light. Ope kept running the car off the road as he tried to drive and look at the same time. "'Sure is a beauty,' he said as he pulled the car back into the lane for the third time. "'Sure is,' I heard Cletus answer. The boy looked like he was just swallowing up the sight, gulping that capital down as fast as he could as we moved on past it, on toward I-64. I knew he wanted to stop right then and stay there, maybe forever. Forget that bat lady. Obe probably knew it too. Don't you worry, he said. Tomorrow, when we come back this way, we're going to stop and spend the whole day wandering that place. We'll see uh, some historical documents and some genuine West Virginia artifacts. Then we'll go have us some lunch with the senators and maybe even the governor himself in the Capitol coffee shop. Me and Cletus will tell him how to straighten out all his mess. So as Cletus pinned his eyes to that place, he thought might just be in heaven, our car kept on moving, out of view of that fine gold dome, further down from deep water, and the people we used to be there, on near Putnam County, and all the people we were about to become. Three visitors heading for Oz. CHAPTER ten The Reverend Miriam Young has passed on, I'm afraid. We were standing on the porch of the little blue house that used to be the spiritualist church of Glen Meadows when we heard these awful words, and all three of us, I'm sure, felt for a moment like just passing on with her. We'd found the place without any trouble, drove the main highway in, stopped at a filling station and checked a phone book, and by 10 a.m. we were on the Reverend Young's front porch, or what used to be hers. There was no sign outside the home advertising it as a church. But Ope said, getting out of the car, that that wasn't the kind of religion people necessarily advertised. He said it wasn't what you'd call welcome wagon material. And Cletus made some jokes about the church not needing a sign anyway, because everybody who was supposed to come most likely heard of it telepathically anyway. But I wasn't so optimistic. I was always set for failures since May died, and I was set for this one. Passed on where? Cletus asked the man like a fool. Smiling kindly to the imbecile in our company, the chipmunk of a man—that's the animal he favored—said, She died, son, last June. She's passed on to the spirit world. We three just stood there dumbfounded. We were trying to outwit death on this trip, rise above it, penetrate the blockades it put up between us and May. We were coming to Putnam County to put death in its place, and instead— It had put us squarely back in ours. So who are you? I asked brazenly, forgetting my manners. I had nothing left to lose anyway. I was mad at this chipmunk and ready to fight. Ready to squeeze that bat lady right out of him. But his face never altered, and he looked into my eyes. He smiled again kindly, and he said, I am Miriam's nephew, dear. I'm living here until I get her affairs in order. Oh. I couldn't think of anything else to say. Then Cletus said, Where are the bats? The chipmunk chuckled. He said, Flying free, son, like the Reverend Young herself. All this time, Obe had said nothing. He hadn't even been facing us. As soon as he'd learned Reverend Young was dead, he had turned away and looked off the side of the porch, rubbing his forehead as he always did when he was lost and searching for a way to go. But after the feeble attempts of Cletus and me to deal with this house empty of its small medium at large, he turned back, turned back, and in a quiet voice said to the man, I was hoping she could help me contact my wife. I needed to talk to my wife. And the nephew of the preacher, Obe had needed so desperately to find, looked on Obe's heartbroken face and saw his pain, and he reached out and put a hand on Obe's shoulder, I'm so sorry, sir, but I haven't my aunt's spiritual powers. There is no one else here, but I do know someone, a man in Sissonville, who might be able to. But O put up his hand and shook his head. No, he said. No, we were led here, and here my looking ends. I can't go traipsing through the state like some old fool, searching out psychics. I'm not meant to do it, and I won't. Cletus looked at me, and I looked at him, both of us hoping for the other one to do something. Then Cletus said, ''Well, sir, do you have any material you might give us? Anything she might have used in church?'' Leave it to Cletus to think of that, wanting something to take, something to hold between his fingers, to hide away in his vinyl suitcase. Cletus always needing something to collect. ''Well,'' said the nephew, ''there is the church brochure the reverend always handed out to newcomers,'' "'I could give you one of those.' "'Cletus nodded his head. "'The nephew looked over at Obe. "'Would you care to come inside while I look? "'Could I offer you a cup of coffee?' "'But Obe shook his head and remained silent. "'His face was pale and full of strain, "'and I wanted to take his suffering from him, "'but all I could do was wait for the chipmunk "'and Cletus to take care of their business "'so we might just go on home.' "'The nephew reappeared at the door "'with a folded white paper in his hands.' He again apologized sorrowfully, wrote his number on the paper in case he could ever be of any help to us, and then the door that held so much hope was closed, and we were back on our own again. We walked silently to the Valiant, then sat there a few minutes without a word. I was waiting for Obe to decide what he was going to do next. We had already called up our reservations at the one hotel in town, then tomorrow after the Reverend Young would have connected Obe to May, and everything was finally set right, tomorrow we were supposed to drive to the capital, spend the whole day there hobnobbing with the legislators, and then we were to go home and maybe live again. But it was only seven o'clock in the morning. We had been on this journey only three hours, and already everything was cracked and broken, and some of us with it. Obe gave a deep sigh, and he said, I guess we'd better head on home children he started the car and slowly we pulled away from all the spirits resting in that little blue house cletus and i said nothing i guess we both knew it was too delicate a situation for fixing unlike the happy silence we'd all enjoyed earlier that morning we suffered instead a black kind of stillness on our route back home obe looked awful i thought he might just pull the car over to the shoulder and die Cletus opened up the spiritualist handout and stared at the page mile after mile, and I watched out my window, swallowing back the lump in my throat and praying for something to save Obe and me, for I truly felt Obe had taken his final punch. Off of I-64 and back on the turnpike, the signs for the Capitol Street started cropping up again. I could feel Cletus lift his eyes and watch them slide past, and before long, there she was, that pretty concrete queen Cletus wanted to marry someday. We traveled the road up the river alongside her, and no one said a word. My heart was aching for Cletus, for I knew there was little in life he really wanted this bad, this chance to see the West Virginia State Capitol. I had nothing left to try to get it for him. We headed on south toward the bridge that would take us across the river and as far away from Cletus's capital as any soul could be, back to deep water, where life would become again an empty trailer, an old man's declining will to go on, a crazy fool believing in the mysteries of a beat-up vinyl suitcase, and me. I kept my eyes straight ahead. I'm willing to look behind me at that gold shining dome that had accepted all our deepest wishes just a few hours back. Then just as we were nearly out of sight, just as we were ready to put that last disappointment behind us and go back to the old life we heard Ob say, I'm turning this buggy around, and he did. He turned that buggy around and he drove it back the way we'd come, back toward that shining castle my heart began to lift and cletus leaned forward from the seat sounding almost too scared to ask he said are we going anyway obe going in to see it obe said it's getting on to lunch time i figure the governor will be in the coffee shop watching for somebody interesting to come through the door obe straightened his shoulders and his face eased up a little and he said we sure don't want to disappoint him chapter eleven May always said we were angels before we were ever people. She said when we were finished being people, we'd go back to being angels, and we'd never feel pain again. But what is it that makes a person want to stay here on this earth anyway, and go on suffering the most awful pain, just for the sake of getting to stay? I used to think it was because people fear death, but now I think it is because people can't bear saying goodbye. May was lucky when she had to say her goodbye to Obe. She had to hurt over it only once. And then she was an angel, and it didn't hurt her anymore. But Obe, Obe hurt, and he kept on hurting, living in a trailer full of May's empty spaces, walking through May's dying garden, sleeping in a bed, ...that still left room for her. He hurt so much. But even after his most terrible hours... ...he decided to stay here on this earth. Right out of the blue, he wanted to live again. And I'd like to think... ...maybe he wanted to live because of me. Because he couldn't bear the thought of saying goodbye to me. Something happened to Obe that day we left Putnam County... ...and started back for home between the front porch of the late Reverend Young's and the concrete steps of the West Virginia State Capitol, something happened to Obe to make him long for living again. I don't know what it was. I can't even take any credit for making it happen when it did. I figured Obe had given up there on that porch in Putnam County, and I was preparing myself for the worst. But something happened to Obe he turned that buggy around. The three of us found an easy place to park right beside the Capitol building, and we got out of the car and walked into that place like three people coming home. We didn't feel small. We didn't mind that we were new. We felt embraced and even sort of expected. Cletus seemed to need to touch everything Even when we walked down the halls, he'd run his fingers lightly against the walls. We stopped at every lighted display window. We read the name on every door. We picked up every brochure. And Cletus smiled at each person we passed as if he knew everyone well. And all this time, Ob was gentle with him and with me. Gentle like a mother. He would lean with Cletus over a glass case in the museum, and his arm would lie softly about Cletus's shoulders as they read the words off an old, yellowed newspaper. And while I stood in front of a beautiful window, looking out at the Capitol lawn with its pigeons and squirrels and pretty women walking together and laughing, Obe would stand beside me and rest his palm against the back of my head as he used to do when I was a little girl. In the Capitol coffee shop, we looked for signs of the governor, but I guess he was off somewhere else that day. So we just eavesdropped on the conversations of all the other men and women in their nice suits, people who had come downstairs from their big offices with leather chairs to have a cup of Capitol coffee and relax. Cletus watched them with a kind of ache in his eyes and I knew what he wanted for his life, and I prayed for him to someday get it. But I didn't say any prayers for me. I was too afraid to hope for things. We went through every bit of space in the Capitol building that we could find. Then we went next door to the Science and Culture Center and soaked in all of that place, too. There was a gift shop there selling handmade items by West Virginians, and it was Cletus who said, that Obe ought to be bringing in his whirly gigs to sell. I could see that Obe actually gave it some thought. He looked around the shop like somebody planning out a garden they're about to plant. He'd stare at one corner, then another, like he was setting up his whirly gigs there, in his head, getting the feel of it. But when we walked out of the shop, Obe said to Cletus, "'My gigs are needin' a place. This ain't it.'" We stayed among the senators and legislators until five o'clock, and when they started heading out to their cars to go home, we called the Glen Meadows Motel to cancel. Then we headed on out to ours. I gave Cletus the front seat. It was dark when we finally pulled into the yard, the headlights of the car flashing across Obe's old Chevy, sitting in the weeds. We'd been quiet all the way home, but not a hard, lonely quiet. "'Just tired, full of thoughts. "'We were getting ourselves and our stuff out of the car. "'Obe was talking to Cletus about how comfy the couch was to sleep on. "'Obe had asked Cletus to spend the night "'so we wouldn't have to answer any awkward questions from Cletus's parents. "'And I was thinking of May. "'Then something flew over me. "'We all let out a little gasp. "'The wings were so completely silent, and we so unprepared.' But the moon was bright, and the shadow of those wings so real, and before we could find our voices, before I could call out, wait, the owl had flown off into the night. I remembered her then. I remembered May. I began to cry. I had not ever really cried for May. I had tried so hard to bear her loss and had swallowed back the tears that had been building up inside me for two seasons, but nothing could keep them back once that owl disappeared from my eyes, and I knew, as I had never known before, that I would never, ever see May on this earth again. I cried and cried and could not stop crying. Then Obe lifted me up and carried me through the door. Cletus held open and he took me to my room as he had done so many times when I was a little girl. My stomach and my throat burned and ached with the tears as I curled into a ball on my bed and tried to cry the very life out of my body. But for every bit of life I cried away, Obe held me hard against him and he put more life back in me. He did not ever speak, just held on to me and wiped away the tears with his strong, wide hands until finally my body was emptied of those tears, and I was no more burdened. When finally I felt I could speak, I whispered to him, It's been so hard missing May. And Ope said, She's still here, honey. People don't ever leave us for good. I laid my head on his shoulder, so grateful he was still here with me, grateful even for Cletus, who I knew was somewhere in the trailer, waiting. I closed my eyes and thought of my poor young Mama, and May's poor Mommy and Daddy, and my dear May herself. But I didn't dwell on them with pain or with fear. There was a tranquility in me that felt all right, and as I remembered them all, my tears dried up and I fell asleep. When Obe and me met you, honey, you was such a shy thing, them big ol' eyes of yours looking like a puppy begging for love. I knew right off I wanted you. I took Obe out to the back porch after supper, and I said, Obe, we've got to take that child home with us. Well, Obe had seen how at the supper table you'd been too scared to death to ask for anything, run out of milk in your glass, and too scared to ask Connie Francine to fill it up again." Obe knew an unhappy child when he saw one. So he said, we're taking her today, May. And we just packed you up and took you. Those folks never cared. Those Ohio kin. They're good people mostly, but they're limited, honey. I couldn't hardly keep my hands off of you those first few days. Remember how I was always touching your hair, calming it all the time, and clipping pretty bows to it? i had me a little girl finally something i'd wanted all my life i'd come to figure this good lord wasn't ever going to give me one for reasons of his own but he was holding me steady all those years waiting for you to be born waiting for your poor mamma to die waiting for obe to see you didn't know how to ask for a glass of milk. I worried about us not having the money to give you all you truly deserved. I wanted so much to buy you them big plastic houses with those little roundhead people sitting inside. And those great big baby dolls that wet their diapers. I wanted to dress you up in pink and yellow every day. Take you over to Charleston to that big glass mall and go into that big department store and buy "'everything pink and yellow for little girls. "'But we just didn't have much, honey. "'We were both sorry for it. "'Oh, Ope made you those little wooden people to play with, "'and I picked through everything at the Goodwill "'to find you some nice clothes. "'But we knew you should have had more. "'We were sorry for it. "'Remember you and me out late that one night? "'What is that we were doing?' You thought you heard a cat meowing and wanted me to come see with you. Do you remember? And we put on our coats and went out. And the moon was as big around as I'd ever seen it. And we didn't need no lights. It was that bright. And just as we were heading for the shed to see if there was a lost kitty in there somewhere, out of that dark came a big owl just swooping right across our path. Biggest thing I'd ever seen. And not a sound. And you and me, we couldn't say a word. Just stood there with our hands over our mouths. Frozen up like statues. Watching those wings flap off into the dark. I'd not ever seen an owl in all my days. And when I hadn't had you but a few weeks. There that one passed through my life. I knew you'd always be doing that for me and for Obe bringing us good things like that. I used to wonder why God gave you to us so late in life, why we had to be old already before we could have you. I was almost as big as a house and full of diabetes and old, arthritic skeleton of a man. We couldn't do none of those things we could have done for you thirty or forty years back, but I thought on it and thought on it till i finally figured it out and my guess is that the lord wanted us all to be just full of need if open me had been young and strong why maybe you wouldn't have felt so necessary to us maybe you'd have thought we could do just fine without you so the lord let us get old so we'd have plenty cause to need you and you'd feel free to need us right back we wanted a family so bad all of us. And we just grabbed onto each other and made us one. Simple as that. I always told Obe he was my moon and sun. And when you came to us, summer honey, you were my shining star. You are the best little girl I ever did know. Chapter 12 When I opened my eyes the next morning, the brightest yellow sunshine was coming through the window. It was nearly spring now. May's daffodils will be blooming. I smelled hot coffee brewing in the kitchen and bacon. Somebody was cooking me breakfast. I came out of my room to find Cletus setting the table and telling Obe all about some article he'd read on people spontaneously combusting, and Obe cracking eggs into a big plastic bowl and telling Cletus he didn't believe a word of it. I said, Good morning and they both grinned at me and said good morning back. Then we all three ate ourselves nearly to oblivion on the best eggs and bacon I ever tasted in my life. After breakfast, Obe said, I got us all a chore this morning, and within minutes we were carrying whirly gigs out the door. We used maize tomato steaks and other bits of board we could find, and we filled up May's empty garden with dreams and thunderstorms and fire, and that bright white spirit that was May herself. Then Cletus went inside the trailer, and it came out carrying the Reverend Young's church handout. We stood there in May's beloved and practical garden, and Cletus searched the handout for some good words to say, to bless the whirligigs that now had a place to spin and fly and live. He read, What is the true mission of spirit messages? To bring us consolation in the sorrows of life. Obe and I smiled at each other, and then a big wind came and set everything free. About the author, Cynthia Ryland. Cynthia Ryland grew up in a small town in West Virginia. As a child, she never planned to become a writer. She lived in a four room house with her grandparents, who grew and hunted most of the family's food. Cynthia's town did not have a library, but she read comic books and Nancy Drew books and spent a lot of time outside. After high school, Cynthia went to college in Charleston, West Virginia. There, in one of her English classes, she discovered that she loved books. After she graduated, Cynthia worked in the children's department of a library. She had never read many of the books that children know and love, but she came to love them as an adult. Cynthia was inspired to write children's books of her own. She began writing at home, but didn't tell anyone about her stories. She was too shy. Instead, she just sent them off to publishers in New York. About two months later, an editor responded, One of Cynthia's stories, When I Was Young in the Mountains, was going to be published. Cynthia Ryland was on her way to becoming a popular, well-known children's author. Cynthia continued to write while raising her son Nathaniel in Kent, Ohio. She has written over 50 acclaimed novels, chapter books, and picture books, including The Caldecott Honor Books, When I Was Young in the Mountains, illustrated by Diane Good, and The Relatives Came, illustrated by Stephen Gammel. Now Cynthia and her family live in Oregon, where she takes care of her pets, reads, writes, and enjoys life at home. I don't write every day, she says. In fact, I sometimes go months without writing anything. Then suddenly, I'll sense a book in my head. I sit down with pen and paper, and the next thing I know, I've got a story going. Then the next thing I know, I've finished it. I'm a quick writer. Of Missing May, Cynthia Ryland says... I'm not sure where the story came from, but I was raised in rural West Virginia, and I knew a lot of characters like Obe and Cletus and May. I just felt I was writing about my own people.